0: The following podcast is intended for mature audiences and may contain strong language, adult themes, and frank sexual content. This is the Heart of Jack's podcast. Sorting out the sorting out, appearances can be deceiving, and James goes to the Jacks. I'm Paul Rosenberg, and this is episode 16 of the Heart of Jack's podcast, A little show made possible entirely through the support of people like you, patrons through Patreon. Learn more and add your support at patreon.com slash theheartofjacks. I'm speaking from personal experience when I tell you that the men who run jack-off clubs are, generally speaking, conflicted on the subject of age, specifically the ages of our members. Our own ages are less relevant, but I can tell you none of us are teenagers. In all 50 United States, you can legally join a jack-off club at 18 years of age, and in many states you could legally join at 16 or 17, although the clubs are uniformly standardized on 18 as the youngest you must be in order to join because of federal laws, specifically regulating sexual activity and, especially, adult content on the internet. Merely suggesting on a website that a 16- or 17-year-old could join a jack-off club crosses a very bright red line in many states. So, we err on the side of safety and legality. 18 is the bar that you must reach before you can join any jacks club in the United States. The conflict we have is only partly about ageism, prejudice, or discrimination on the basis of a person's age which jack-off clubs actually manage pretty well by simply not restricting membership by age, except for confirming that guys are 18 or older. Combine that policy with the common construct of one big room full of naked masturbating men, and you've got a situation where those 18 and 19-year-olds are getting off right next to guys that are older than they are. Even if they only touch their own age peers— The mere fact of the presence of a broad spectrum of men in their fully aroused glory diffuses a ton of prejudice around what had been previously 100% hidden. We like this a lot, the fact of age diversity in our clubs, because we see a lot of good come from it. Just one example is imagining our own aging process as one that can include sex well into our senior years, because we see it modeled right there before our eyes. Here's one small related example. I've now met numerous men across the age spectrum who are still very much sexually engaged and even joyful after prostate surgery. I've directly observed and played with guys who don't ejaculate, but are still in the game, many still experiencing orgasms. One particular gorgeous black man stands out in my mind, younger than me, also tall, nicely muscled. He typically arrives at the start of events, and he stays all night, playing and orgasming over and over. The first time we met, he surprised me when he volunteered that his prostate had been removed, and that's why he doesn't ejaculate. And he'd been surprised to discover that he could now just keep orgasming as long as he likes, until he decides to quit. That guy is kind of the poster child for hope in my book. The conflict, for those of us who lead the clubs, comes when we confront our desire for more young members at our clubs. We all want more young guys to show up and stick around, but we don't want older members to feel unwelcome or less valuable to the community. The conflict typically shows up in our media presence, which, for any Jackoff club, is the website. If you visit any Jacks site with pictures or illustrations, you will be hard-pressed to find representations of bald heads and gray hair, much less bodies that are less than porn-perfect. Representations of older men are rare, so there's this image conveyed of young, hot guys, and almost never do we see pictures of the diverse reality. We tend to give an outward impression of youth and vitality because we're following an established marketing model that's visible everywhere online and in print. Inside the clubs, we appreciate and embrace diversity and inclusion, but we don't show it to the eyeballs grazing our websites. The beautiful variety of men at jacks is too often a surprise to first-timers. We want younger men because we want adult men of all ages, races, ethnicities. We want our common ground to be love of masturbation with each other. So we say the words, but we rarely, almost never show the world what that looks like. Therefore, someone looking for jack-off clubs will get the visual impression of a crowd of fit, outwardly virile men in their 30s. Now, you might be thinking, well, that sounds lovely, but I'm imagining this cabal of aging men drooling over the prospect of young flesh. You would be wrong about that. We managers want diversity at our clubs, because the greater the variety of men, the more fun, satisfying, and empowering it is for everybody. And the more likely it is that everyone is going to connect with compatible guys. Not everyone is obsessed with younger men. I'll tell you right now that I'm not. I am, however, obsessed with the health of my organization and the connectedness of my community. I also want it to thrive and continue into the future, so I want younger men to know that the Jacks is an option for them, and that if they really like it, they can enjoy it for as long as the clubs exist. We all have different sexual tastes, who we like to play with and what we like to do. Jack-off clubs level-set the sexual activity part by limiting play to non-penetration. So, half of that equation of what we like is settled before you walk in the door. The negotiation part of sex is 90% done for you. Once inside, there's a period of time that guys take to greet friends, make eye contact with new guys, feel each other out—figuratively more than literally— Explore who turns them on, has compatible energy, chemistry, technique, and only then do they go on to touching and stroking. It's the time when we assess compatibility, a natural process. Since The Jacks is explicitly about recreation, not romance, with recreation's far lower stakes guys find more latitude to explore what turns them on in another guy and completely ignore anything that could disqualify someone as relationship material. It's recreation, not romance. A 30-year-old may not imagine himself in a relationship with a 60-year-old man, but if he likes the energy of the moment in a jack-off club, there's nothing preventing him from wrapping his hands around the older man's penis and spending a few minutes or hours pleasuring each other. Both the 30- and 60-year-old are there and able to explore pleasure between themselves because they're both welcomed in. What I notice is that the youngest members of jack-off clubs tend to confine themselves to playmates who they perceive as being close to themselves physically, so other younger and leaner guys. I can tell you that I receive piles of email queries about my club, but when someone asks if there are young people there, it's always a young person asking. But exceptions happen all the time, because some younger men are simply attracted to older men. Also, young men who know they like older men are there for that reason. They know that they will find more compatible play at the Jacks, specifically because the demographic skews older. How much older? This is one of those things I can actually answer, because I have actual data. The average age of a Rain City Jacks member is 42. One third of the guys are between 30 and 40. Another third is between 40 and 60, and roughly 15% are 29 and younger, and 15% are 61 and older. Most of the crowd is between 30 and 50. It's also true that every event is different, sometimes with more older men and sometimes with more younger men. These are averages. Age is a huge topic, and the West, as is said so often it's cliché, is a youth-obsessed culture, we add and subtract value from each other based on years on the planet, as well as every physical characteristic we have. Jacks exists for a pretty specific purpose, to enable groups of men to masturbate openly together. But we exist inside an age-obsessed culture, and our ideas, our beliefs about what that measure of a person means to us, both as communities and as individuals, we bring that with us everywhere we go. James is not the youngest member of Rain City Jacks. But after five years of membership, he is still in that 15th percentile, under 30. My conversation with him is next. My guest today is James. James is a 29-year-old gay man living in the Seattle area since 2015. Moving across the country from his hometown in Central Florida gave him enough breathing room to fully come out and embrace all the benefits of loving men, including joining Rain City Jacks, where he met his boyfriend of five years. James is a software developer by trade and is a hobbyist electronic music producer. He enjoys practicing qigong and playing tabletop-style role-playing games with friends. James, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You walked into your first Rain City Jacks event some five years ago, right?
1: Right, correct. Now, was that your very first time at a jack off club? Yes, it was the first time. Uh, It was also one of my first sexual experiences, really. Oh, wow. Second time, yeah. So it was quite an experience, and, you know, I really ended up loving it.
0: So you had only had a sexual experience with another man once before coming to the Jets? Yes,
1: once before, and it actually wasn't the greatest experience either. (laughs) It was when I was 21. Uh, That
0: sounds perfectly normal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that at that time... I was very heavily closeted. I was in college and I had been reading, you know, the Craigslist personals for many years at that time. And I just decided now is the time for me to try this. Wow. And I wasn't ready at that time. I was, of course, very nervous going to his his apartment. Ended up being an apartment complex that I had been to a party at a few months prior. So kind of in the back of my head, I was thinking, you know, what if someone sees me or whatever? Yeah, I didn't click with the guy. His room was a complete disaster. And yeah, I just kind of (laughs) felt pretty terrible about it. And, you know, I think a lot of people have this issue where it's like you know what if what if I caught something or whatever I, it was just oral sex but you know I was also had some pretty bad anxiety at that time so it's just one of those things that gets in your head and it's like what if I picked up this or whatever I just felt bad about myself. doing it.
0: Well, you may have heard that first sexual experiences for everybody are often disastrous.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was certainly categorized as disastrous. But you know, at the time that I had found out about Rain City checks, I had already come out to my close family and I was more prepared for the experience. I mean, of course, I was nervous going, but I still ended up having a great time.
0: That's good to hear. Everybody's nervous when they show up the first time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: So how did you find out that the Jacks exist? So it was through Gay City. Uh, they they had a list of events for meeting people, and I was ready to live my life, like, openly as as a gay man. I was like, well, I need to meet some people. So uh, I originally didn't have the idea of going to something as intense as Rain City Jacks, but... <laughs> But, you know, I saw that, and I had been aware of Jackoff clubs for a long time, actually. I had first discovered Jackoff clubs when I was in middle school, I think. oh wow. at the time <laughs> at the time, I was reading a lot of websites that had to do with you know, male masturbation, one of them being Jack and World, but I wasn't sure if that was, it was a site that had an affiliate link to New York Jacks. And at the time, it completely blew my mind that such a thing existed. And, you know, my younger self read over that website many, many times. (laughs) But, you know, it was so far away. And it was never something that I imagined I would actually have the privilege of going to. And so fast forward to when I was in Seattle, I saw the page for Rain City Jacks, and it kind of clicked in my head. And I had that, I had forgotten about, you know, reading about this New York Jacks page. But seeing that just brought that back into my memory. And I was like, oh, I have to go to this. And I I made up my mind. I'm like, I need to live this fantasy that I've had (laughs) for for so long. And, you know, it actually exists close by to where I live. And it was just a no-brainer that I had to go.
0: Had you seriously been fantasizing about it since you were a teenager?
1: Yes. Maybe even before I was a teenager, thinking about checking off with other people, definitely had fantasies of checking off with a lot of men. Shortly after I discovered masturbation, you yeah, I was like, other people need to know about this. You know, we need to get together and do this. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of thing. So, yeah, it had been a fantasy for a very long time, actually.
0: <laughs> That's funny. I had uh, I had a similar experience when I first discovered masturbation, just thinking this is the greatest thing in the world. And <laughs> yeah. do other people know about this? Right. <laughs> You're answering all my questions for me before I get to them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I was like, well, I have to include discovering Jackoff Clubs in the first oh, place yeah. because that was the main reason why I wanted to go to Rain City Jacks. That connection is just kind of like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this thing. <laughs>
0: So you say that you met your current boyfriend at the Jacks. Did right. did you meet at your very first event?
1: Yes, actually, we did meet briefly at the end, like when I was dressing in the locker room. Oh, um, okay. I hadn't really seen him, but he definitely noticed me. And so he kind of came up to me and like we we chatted just for a little bit. It kind of put the, it did put the first thought in my mind is like, oh, this guy was checking me out, you know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And that was hot to me.
0: Did you get together outside the Jacks right away?
1: So it wasn't until the second time that I went to the Jacks to kind of set the stage. I think something happened to the heating of the building. And I remember it was very cold. I'm a pretty skinny guy. So I'm being naked in this room. I was kind of cold and you know my partner picked up on that and um you know he was just kind of holding me and keeping me warm and while we were playing and um yeah we completely clicked and you know he was very sweet and I was like I want to know more about this guy and you know after we finished we we started talking and we we had some similar like work backgrounds and Kind of started clicking on that and we exchanged phone numbers and we met up shortly after that.
0: Did you continue coming back to the Jacks?
1: Yes. I would say I would go about once a month. Okay. Um, it and you have, were like,
0: already yeah. dating uh, by then? Like, did you guys start dating right away or was it something that... I
1: would say we we kind of started dating right away. Okay. I mean, it wasn't like super serious. Like, we would just go over and hang out. It was never like, okay, we're, we are dating now. Like, we are boyfriends. Okay. Like, it, it just kind of eased into it that way.
0: Did you ever come to the Jacks together?
1: Yes. We go to the Jacks all the time and... It's actually quite fun to go as a couple, you know, because I tend to like older men and he tends to like younger guys. There's about a 20 year age gap between us. So it's kind of fun. Like I, I kind of scope out the older guys. He kind of scopes out the younger guys, you know, like we, when we first go up, we get naked and kind of go up, you know, we'll kiss and play a little bit and then kind of go our separate ways and, you know, I'll, I'll see him every once in a while throughout the party. And then afterwards, we'll we'll talk about our experience. <laughs> and, you know, it's just quite a, a fun kind of carefree type experience. It's definitely like a kind of bonding experience. You know, it's just fun. Couples who meet at the Jacks or who come to the
0: Jacks together, they all play in different ways. Uh, so I, I know of a couple of other guys who do it like this, where they'll show up together and then they'll play separately there are guys who will get together and they are like joined at the hip the entire time and they're like they're like a nucleus that moves around the room together and then there are partners who will trade off going to events separately
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i've seen it also where one guy is kind of more of a wallflower and he'll watch and while the other guy kind of plays with more guys too that's yep. something I've seen, like, a few couples do that. So, yeah, everyone, everyone has their own way of interacting with the club. It's kind of fun. Sometimes people are a little taken aback. I remember meeting up with one guy there, and... Yeah, I tried to introduce him to my boyfriend afterwards. I think that freaked him out a little bit because wow. we were going to exchange numbers, and then he just dis- disappeared. <laughs> like, maybe he thought my boyfriend was going to beat him up or something. I don't know. <laughs> but,
0: yeah. Well, we tend to see uh, relationships through our own understanding of what they are or what they're supposed to be like, uh, right. you know, and projecting our own way of doing things onto others. And it's it's always such an eye opener to meet people who do things differently.
1: Yeah, but most most people think that it's really sweet. They're kind of like, oh, like I wish I could bring my boyfriend here or whatever. I think that that's generally the the reaction that I get. And they'll ask me to point him out in the crowd and things like that.
0: If you think back to your very first Jack's event before you met your boyfriend. So you had been having fantasies about the experience for a long time, and then you finally go in and you and you experience it in real life. So how how did the reality differ from your expectations and fantasies?
1: So I would say the most surprising aspect was just how relaxed the atmosphere of the club was. Because to me, it is about one of the most intense things that I could imagine. But then I show up and you know, some guys are, are just kind of on the side, just talking about, you know, how their week has been going. And, you know, to them, it's, it's a regular Sunday afternoon. You know, they're, they're just hanging out. And, you know, I thought that that was great because it made it, the whole thing kind of less nerve wracking just to see how everyone else was responding. And it's like, oh, OK, I can relax, too doesn't have to be some extreme intense type of deal was the experience not intense it was very intense in a pleasurable way but it wasn't hmm, how do I describe well yeah it wasn't it wasn't intense in like a primal type of way where it's like everyone is out to like find the person and like kind of dominate and get off or whatever and and leave like it wasn't that kind of intense where you know everyone is out for themselves everyone is out for their own pleasure it was more of like a camaraderie type of deal there you know there's a lot of kind of love type of feel in the atmosphere more along those lines but of course the the sexual experience was very intense
0: when i walked into my first jackoff club i was thinking all about my fantasies and just being really horny when I arrived and all those expectations. And what I didn't expect was what happens after an orgasm. You've got these guys who are guys and we're all relaxed and we did make friends with each other. You know, it's, it's easy to be blinded by just libido, just by being horny or sexual fantasy. And you forget that life is actually a whole lot of other things as well. And so is relationship. And so is sex.
1: Right. Yeah. And even at the time, I kind of felt it was a bit strange that guys would come and then immediately leave. You know, mm-hmm. after, after kind of being in that atmosphere, it's like, oh, I, I see you where it can be so much more than just... I go to the Jackoff Club, I I come and I leave, you know, like it can be much more than that. I can't
0: tell you that that is by far the minority of guys who come to the club. There's always a few who like blow and go, you know, but very frequently we'll be up in front, uh, we'll be running the check-in table and nobody will leave at all for a whole hour that's not unusual. So, yes, some guys will will just have an orgasm and leave, and but it frequently is not like that. Right. Is is there anything about the jacks that's particularly challenging for you that you found Difficult or uh, problematic for you? What's what's the downside from your perspective?
1: Right. So the first few times, I put a lot of pressure on myself to keep an erection, especially whenever I was playing with anyone else. Like to me, it kind of felt like maybe I was insulting them in some way, or maybe they they would think that I don't find them attractive or whatever. But either way, it was pretty embarrassing to me and I would kind of end up just walking away from the interaction when that would start to happen like oh I I need to take a break or oh I need to get some water or something like that and you know over time I just kind of realized that's just how my body works and that's fairly normal and you know it doesn't matter what's happening around me like, if I don't click with the guy that I'm playing with, like, that's what's going to happen. And there's nothing I can do to force myself to have an erection or anything yeah. like that. doesn't work. And also putting that pressure on yourself itself kind of increases the likelihood that I'm going to lose it as well. It's like, that's the only yeah. thing I'm thinking about. You know that that's a sure way for me to to lose my erection and you know it's and it's okay for it to happen and yeah i find i can still have a good time even if i do lose it and you know i can certainly still have fun playing with whoever's dick is in front of me <laughs> and you know it still feels good of course i'm not gonna sit around forever playing with this person like if I don't have a heart on, but you know, I can still have fun for a while and I don't need to be embarrassed about it. So yeah, it, it definitely took five or six times to really feel like I was kind of over that hump. Is Rain City Jacks the only Jackoff club you've been to? I have been to the New York Jacks uh, fairly recently. I went in 2019 with my partner. Uh, We were already on a trip to New York and it's something that we both wanted to try. So yeah, we, we had a lot of fun there.
0: Tell me about the differences you noticed between the New York club and the Seattle club
1: the way that the men act in the New York club is very different I felt like it's a very different atmosphere it's kind of more kind of felt more like bathhouse kind of style where everyone everyone is kind of looking for who is like the hottest guy I can jack off with and oh, wow. people kind of go up and like I found you. I'm going to go attack. <laughs> like, that was almost kind of what what it felt like. Like it, it wasn't. It wasn't definitely not a negative experience. Like I I still had a lot of fun going there. I mean, we ended up going twice. We we ended up going back, so we had a good time. It's just a def- definitely a, a different feel. I'm not sure how much it has to do with like you and your crew kind of cultivating that kind of open feel and certainly there's a lot of difference in you know New York City culture and Seattle culture kind of east coast west coast type feel absolutely um, i also hear that new york jacks has a lot more tourism like yeah. a lot a lot more people coming in from outside so it's kind of harder for them to build the kind of culture that maybe they would want but either way they're the oldest jack of club that's running as far as i know so they must be doing something right uh, so <laughs> not to yeah. throw any shade on them or anything i still think that <laughs> it's a great organization but that's just the difference that i felt
0: it's true. i think i think the key is you just don't stop doing what you're doing and then suddenly you're you've been doing it for 40 years right yeah <laughs> I think you're right about uh, just cultural differences between the East Coast and West Coast. Uh, New York has such an energy, and it infuses everything that happens in New York.
1: Right. People walk with a purpose in New York, and they find their partners with a purpose. Like, that's what I'm here to do. I'm going to make it happen. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and the the West Coast is so chill. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, I I kind of find Rain uh, City—there's a club in Portland called Stumptown Stroke, And my experience there, I've been there several times, and my experience there is that it feels like everybody knows each other, Mm. that these are all friends. And you're coming into a party with a bunch of people who all know each other, and they welcome you in. And then in New York, you've got all these tourists, and then this very small pocket of people who know each other. And then Rain City Jacks is somewhere in the middle. And it's got also that West Coast feel.
1: Right. Yeah, it didn't seem like too many people knew each other. I mean, it was clear that some of the folks knew the people working the door and stuff like that. But other than that, I didn't see too many people just kind of carrying on conversation, you know, on the side, that type of thing. Did you go to both a Sunday and a Tuesday event? Right. So yeah, they have two locations. One of them is kind of a BDSM type location. The other one Seemed to be pretty standard, but just kind of like a flat that they were renting out in some building. So yeah, to definitely two very different spaces. And I noticed at the BDSM type location, there was a lot more group play. Like the lights were lower. They had kind of different areas to walk around in. It seemed like kind of more people were jumping into the action quicker than the other location. Could also be the difference in the day like i'm sure that the sunday has a different crowd than the weekday that type of thing but the physical space has a lot to do with it as well
0: One thing I I hear from people who don't go to jack-off clubs, they say things like, I would have a really hard time not uh, sucking dick, or I really need to be fucked. You know, a lot of people have different needs sexually, and they don't see um, a non-penetration situation as viable for them. Do you feel like it's a completely satisfying sex experience if there's no fucking or sucking involved?
1: Yeah, I absolutely feel like it is completely fulfilling for me. And, um, you know, some of my favorite experiences have come from being at the Jacks. So, yeah. Uh, And I've heard that sentiment, too, even from one person that had gone to the Jacks, kind of felt like, you know, they, they had fun, but they really wanted to suck the guy off or whatever. And they just didn't feel like it was really for them. But I think people would be surprised what kind of experience they can have at these types of events, but it's not for everyone.
0: Um nothing is for everyone. Right. You can't please all the people all the time. <laughs> what do you what do you think is the most erotic thing about the jacks for you?
1: I think the the most erotic thing would be pairing up with someone that I feel like I really click with and kind of sitting down with them in one of the more open spaces and just kind of knowing that so many guys are getting off watching us play, which is kind of interesting because I don't really have much like voyeuristic tendencies otherwise. But in that setting, I just find it really hot. You know, everyone is there on the same page. It's just a lot of fun.
0: I'm always pleased by the surprising combinations of people, too. Just yeah. who, who's turned on by whom and who, who ends up being drawn to who else. Right. It, it's not the way you'd necessarily expect it to be. You like guys who are older, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's been that way ever since I discovered I liked men. Have you ever been to a bathhouse? I have been to... Three different bathhouses. Okay. I've been to Steam in Portland. I've been to Dare Boiler in Berlin. And there was a bathhouse in Dublin that we went to. So, three pretty different places, different experiences as well. Wow. So, what are
0: some of the differences?
1: First of all, the, the different cultures and also mm-hmm. different times of day. Like when we went to the bathhouse in Portland, it was pretty slow time. When we went to the bathhouse in Berlin, then it was pretty... I wouldn't say it was packed, but there were definitely a lot of guys there. Some of the similarities, and um, this is, uh, from my perspective, Yeah, you know, I haven't been to too many of these nights, but it doesn't seem like so many people are actually having sex there like that's how it came off to me is that everyone is kind of looking for the right guy and i think a part of it is that a lot of the sex is kind of hidden away within the rooms right so people don't really see that and kind of get turned on like the way that they do in something that's more open like rain city jacks So that that kind of energy is kind of tucked away in the back. That makes it more difficult. I also felt like the guys in the Berlin bathhouse were pretty clicky. We ended up just mostly hanging out with other foreigners. Like, they didn't really seem to be interested in, you know, foreigners. Or maybe they felt like their space is kind of overwhelmed by tourists. So that turns them off. Oh, yeah, Uh, that may be that may be the case. That actually Um,
0: makes total sense.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I don't blame them, but uh, like I've never had a bathhouse experience where I felt like people were free enough to like really have a good time. Like, I feel like maybe I've been spoiled by the experience of Rain City (laughs) Jacks. And I think I, I had probably the wrong idea about what it was actually like to go so you know i had my own expectations going yeah i mean i would have kind of a fun time but not anything where i would really want to go back all the time deal you're talking about bathhouses right okay
0: well i think you nailed the the main differences that whole hidden room thing and the one big room
1: thing yeah yeah. I, th- I think the the other brilliant thing about Rain City Jacks is, you know, you have a cutoff time where the door is closed and whoever is here is here. I think a, a lot of guys just kind of spend so much time at the bathhouse, just like the right one's going to walk in that door and we're going to have a great time. End up just like sitting around. <laughs> like I, I just remember walking by all these guys that are just sitting around. I'm like, why are you even here? <laughs> like, and you know, I remember even having some trouble getting some guys to like even like jerk off or whatever in the sauna at the uh bathhouse in Dublin. It's like, hello, like we're we're all this is what we're all here for <laughs> like don't don't you want to like jerk off or like suck dick or whatever and yeah i think that that's another type of culture thing because you know i imagine some of those guys had to have been married or maybe they still weren't comfortable being that open about it you know you still see them kind of like looking around like looking behind them it's like uh, we're in a gay bathhouse <laughs> like, no <Wow. laughs> no one's gonna like bust in and like arrest you or whatever, whatever. Yeah. but you know I imagine that's probably been ingrained in them ever since you know they wanted to play with guys in a sauna you know so old habits are hard to get rid of
0: You know, to be fair, um, there are married guys on the down low uh, everywhere sex is happening. That's true at the jacks. It's true anywhere. People do what they need to do to get what they really want. So you mentioned that... um, when you first discovered masturbation, you wanted to, like, evangelize about it and <laughs> right <laughs> tell the world about I this great I just thought thing.
1: it was the best thing. It was like... I unlocked something in my body and uh, the world needs to know. <laughs> so when you finally experienced a jack-off
0: club and you obviously enjoyed it and came back repeatedly, is there something that you would like to tell the world about it? The, is, there, is there something that you feel people need to understand about the jacks that maybe they don't?
1: Yeah, I would just say if you come to Rain City Jacks that you know you will be welcomed in. The space is not judgmental and, you know, also come with an open mindset and it'll open your possibilities. You know, you'll have a better experience for it. I think a lot of gay spaces don't really have that like type of feel. You know, it's very gay guys can be pretty clicky. You know, a lot of guys have gone through really bad experiences with people judging them being bullied or whatever and I think a a lot of people who have those types of experiences it's harder for them to open up but you know at this space it really does feel like a judgment-free space like it's have you been to gay bars not a whole lot I've visited a few but I'm not much of a drinker yeah Um, me too hasn't been too much of an impetus for me to do so
0: So uh, tell me who inspires you.
1: So I would say that it's more people's work that inspires me than people generally. Uh, what do you mean people's work? I would say like their like their novels or their movies or uh, whatever. I usually kind of cling to more of their output rather than, you know, their personality oh, sure. or things sure. like that. But I would say that my sisters have probably been the biggest inspiration for me, especially when I was younger. They had a punk band when they were in late middle school, high school, and they were both older than me, so I would always tag along and really showed me that there's some really great, beautiful stuff that's happening outside of the mainstream, and you know that's something to be celebrated and also like the kind of DIY nature of okay we're we're going to record our own demos, CDs, create yeah. our own spaces, create our own shows and like seeing all these young people just building that I was like wow I could I can really use what I have and just go do it and you know that's that's stuck with me throughout my life it really sounds like a lot of
0: fun too
1: yeah it was it was a lot of fun for sure
0: <laughs> are there any uh novelists or filmmakers uh, whose work you really like
1: yeah the the filmmaker that i have been following recently is hamilton morris and he produces the show called hamilton's pharmacopoeia oh, which is a yes docuseries series that really explores like the history and social impact of a lot of psychoactive drugs. Yes, I stumbled uh, upon that. It's very yeah, cool. Yeah, and he he is also a chemist, so he's kind of able to explore like like what is how are these people actually synthesizing these materials and like shows the length that people go through to be a clandestine chemist and Kind of what impact that has. A lot of um, much older cultures, you know, in like South America or Africa, and you know what drugs are are used in their cultures and their ceremonies, and it's it's very interesting. I've always been interested in what what are these molecules that create these really fascinating experiences for people and. Yeah, I think that it's just very well produced. And the way that he interacts with people, I think is great. Just the way that he, he's able to be, like, especially when, when he's interviewing someone he doesn't necessarily disagree with. He has a really great way of being firm in his position, but also allowing people to speak. And I think that that's, that's a pretty rare Thing for an interviewer to have, especially in more controversial subjects. Yeah. So I just think it's a great watch.
0: Do you have any personal experience with psychedelics?
1: Yes, I have. I have had a few experiences uh, when I was in college, and all of them were very good experiences. Yeah, I, I also have a few experiences <laughs> of my own. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that uh, you, you talked a bit about them in your Fruit Bowl interview. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I,
0: I've tried a lot of different drugs over the years, but I'd I'd say the ones that I regret not at all are the psychedelics. Uh, those are the ones that really um, left a lasting impression on me. That was wholly creative, wholly uh, productive, uh, changed my life in in really positive ways.
1: Yeah, I had a similar experience. It kind of opened my mind a bit to kind of the reality of my situation. You know, I was just at the time, I was not very happy about where I was at. And, you know, it kind of gave me a bit of a clean slate where, okay, you're you're going to school, you're learning about all these things, you have all these opportunities. And, you know, at the time, I was just kind of stuck going through the motions. And I do think it helped me kind of get out of a rut. You know, I, I
0: don't want to uh, uh, interpret your words, <laughs> but yeah. th- there is this really cool paradox that something that uh, can make you hallucinate, uh, experience things that are, quote, not there, unquote, uh, can actually break your illusions.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you you can't fully trust what, what you see all the time. Like your brain is always... Kind of picking and choosing the information it wants to present to yourself. That's the truth. And I think that having this experience also kind of reminded me of like why people are spiritual, that there is another layer to all the experiences that we're taking in. That That's the way that I felt when I took the substances.
0: So, uh, do you have any recommendations for the listeners?
1: Right. So, there is this great volunteer based project called Standard eBooks. And what they do is they take transcriptions of public domain novels and poetry and they format it in a modern eBook format. So, you can get it on your Kindle, you can get it on whatever ebook device you have. And um, yeah, I think if you're looking to read up on the classics, then it's a really great resource. Very cool. So it
0: sounds like it does a little bit more than like what Google Books is doing.
1: Right. So we do use the scans to make sure as like a reference to what we're building. Mm -hmm. But generally, the transcriptions will come from Project Gutenberg, which is a repository of a lot of um, formatted and plain HTML, and that doesn't really render very well within uh, like say a Kindle or any other uh, physical ebook or ebook readers. So yeah, it's it's basically taking those transcriptions and making them beautiful and readable on a variety of different devices.
0: Nice. Well, James, it's been a pleasure interviewing you today.
1: Great. Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you so much for spending time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I want to thank James for being my guest on the show today. As always, you can find links to all the things we talked about in the show notes. Do you have thoughts on our conversation? I'll just bet you do. I very much love hearing from you, and it's so easy to share your thoughts with me. Email the show at podcast at theheartofjacks.com, or better yet, call two zero six five eight zero. 3120. A Heart of Jack's podcast, written and produced by me and supported entirely through the generosity of listeners, people like you who became patrons through Patreon. Go to patreon.com/theheartofjacks to find out more and add your support. Theme music is carouselophane by Jake Bradford Sharp. Podcast distribution by Simplecast at simplecast.com. Until next time. That is the Heart of Jack's podcast. I'm Paul Rosenberg.